Welcome to Make It Count, Living a Legacy Life, where we invest in what matters, God and people. I'm Sue Donaldson, speaker, author, and creator of WelcomeHeart.com, where you can learn to know and show the heart of God. And that's what counts. Thank you for joining me. Good morning. Boy, am I excited today to introduce to you maybe someone you've never heard of, which kind of surprised me when I mentioned to some friends that, guess what, I get to interview Johnny Erickson Tata, and they said, who? I thought, well, where have they been? But I'm hoping this podcast will change that for many listeners who uh, didn't read this book in their 20s like I did, Johnny, when this your first book first came out. Uh, Johnny Erickson Tata, I could say so many things about you. You are a leader in disability advocacy and author of many bestsellers, including the story of your romance with your husband, I think of 39 years. Is that right? Well, you've got it right on the Right on the yeah. money, 39 well, years we've been well, married. Yeah, uh, we've been married 33, and mine was almost as much a miracle. I didn't get married till 35. Uh, you're an accomplished artist with your mouth. Um, I guess someone would say I'm a creative genius with my mouth, but totally different, not art. Um, and also, since reading your second book, I, I call you a theologian. Now, when you were 17, did you ever think anyone would ever call you a theologian? You study oh. God. <laughs> By no means. In fact, um, I didn't study God when I was a teenager. I accepted Christ. I embraced him as my Lord and Savior. But back then, it, for me, it was pretty much like signing my name on the dotted line of a, an eternal insurance policy. Jesus was uh, somebody I tucked away in my uh, hip pocket of my Levi jeans. And mm -hmm. it wasn't until after my diving accident in 1967 in which I became paralyzed. That's that's when things changed. That's when I got serious about God. Yeah. And I was thinking that things get serious about God when we suffer, but we can either become bitter or better, as my one of my mentors has told me. And we can either go, go closer to God or further away. And I know that your stories include both. And I think that is a great comfort. And so I would like you to start with that story for those who don't know it. And I do want to recommend that everybody just starts with that first uh, autobiography, just called Johnny, and that they could get a feeling of, of what you went through. So Johnny, if you could just give us that background. Well, I was, as I said, a teenager. I was 17. Um, you know, I, I was not living the kind of life I should have been living as a Christian. Um, as a senior in high school, I was fooling around way too much with my boyfriend on Friday nights. And then on Sunday morning, I would get up and confess all my sins <laughs> and repent and turn from them. I'll never do that again, God. But then next weekend, there I was fooling around with him again and just doing things that were now to look back on, it, it grieves my heart. And I remember one April evening after a sordid date with my boyfriend, I came home and ran upstairs, threw myself on my bed, cried into my pillow and prayed, Jesus, I am shaming your good name. Wow. And I can't stand being a hypocrite. Hmm. I don't want to be one. So you got to do something in my life to rip it out of this uh, cycle of sin hmm. and get me seriously considering you as my Lord and Savior, because I'm going to recant my faith when I go off to college. I just know I will. Wow. And yet I know that that's not what I should do. So God, help me. I'm a slave to my own desires. Help me. And then just three months later, after uh, I prayed that prayer, after high school graduation, I took a reckless dive uh, one July afternoon into 
shallow water in the Chesapeake Bay of Maryland, and I broke my neck. Wow. And at first, oh, go ahead. I remember when I first read your story, I was probably 20 or so, and I selfishly thought, Lord, don't, don't do that to me. Because we all sin and we all need, we, we want God to get our attention completely um, or vice versa. We want him to be our all in all, but we don't necessarily want to break our necks. Yeah. Well, the good news is, Sue, our listeners do not have to break their necks to find him. <laughs> Isn't that great? Isn't that good news? <laughs> That's good news, but you're not, you're not crying right now oh, about that. But I tell you what, here now, what, almost 55 years later after wow. that accident. Wow. The other night I was in bed, Sue, and I was reflecting on the loveliness of the Lord Jesus and how, mm. how intimate we have become with each other, my Lord and I. The way I enjoy him, I just enjoy him, mm. and how he has used my wheelchair to reach literally tens of thousands, maybe hundreds of thousands of people with disabilities right. for Jesus Christ, for his gospel. Mm. And I'm, th- I'm saying to him in prayer, oh, Jesus, you were so wise. Thank you for allowing me to break my neck. Thank you for mm-hmm. jerking my life right side up, grabbing me by the scruff of the neck, giving me a good shake of the shoulders, mm-hmm. and getting me seriously living for you. Because now I would not trade, I would not try trade any amount of walking for the life that you have given me. And Sue, that's a miracle to be able it to is. say that. It's a total miracle. I, I want to ask you, do you believe that there are no accidents in our lives, that God is over everything that happens to us? Absolutely. If we claim Christ as Lord, uh, he assures us in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 11, where it says, he works out everything, not just some things or not just the pleasant things or things that fit into our logic, but it says there, he works out everything in conformity to the purpose of his will for our life. And I believe that uh, God is indeed sovereign over my disability. I like to say, um, I like to say something that uh, a friend shared with me when I was depressed as a teenager, struggling with the idea of quadriplegia and having to live the rest of my life without use of my hands or legs. I was steeped deep in depression, and a good friend uh, pulled up his chair next to my wheelchair uh, by my family table in the dining room and. And he opened up his Bible, but first he looked at me and said, Johnny, I, I want to go through the Bible with you. I want, to, I want to help you find some answers, but you need to know God permits what he hates to accomplish what he loves. Mm. And that enigmatic statement just hooked me. There was something in there that had the ring of truth, but I didn't know what. Mm. And since you uh, brought up the subject of God's sovereignty, I was to find out that, yes, God will permit things he hates. Mm. For instance, even the cross of Jesus Christ, look oh, what definitely. it involved. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Torture, murder, treason, injustice. How can, how can any of that be God's will, right? And humiliation and shame. Those are things Absolutely. I forget about. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and we, we, we think, how can that be God's will? Mm-hmm. But it says in Acts chapter 4, verse 28, that these men... That is, all these wicked guys, the whole bunch of them, Pontius Pilate, Judas Iscariot, the drunken Roman soldiers, these men did what God's power and will had decided beforehand should happen. And so the world's worst murder becomes the world's only salvation. Hmm. And, and that's pretty much a parallel for what happened in my life. God permitted what he hated, my diving accident, my spinal cord injury, so that 
uh, he might achieve something that he loved. And that is, of course, Christ in me, the hope of glory. So I do trust a sovereign God for whom there really are no accidents. Well, they are accidents. God calls them accidents. The Bible calls them accidents. But they are his accidents. Mm-hmm. They're not left up to they're not left up to chance or the roll of the dice. When did you were pretty young uh, learning these lessons, these hard lessons? When did you first know that your story could be used for God's glory? When did that first dawn on you? I mean, that must have given you so much hope. It did. It did. And what uh, what really gave me hope was sharing my story at a youth group. Uh, on the west side of Baltimore when I was just fresh out of the hospital, sharing my testimony. And someone came up to me afterward who wasn't even in a wheelchair and said, oh my goodness, if 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 God's grace can help you in that wheelchair, if if God's grace can help you smile, then I'm ready to believe him. I'm ready to put my trust in him. Mm. And she was one of those who did not have to break her neck to find God. (laughs) And, uh, and I think that's what energized me, Sue, to see how my simple story could could get people considering the lordship of Christ in their lives. That, uh, and besides, in 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 Genesis chapter fifty, verse twenty, real quickly, we all I think all our listeners may know the story of Joseph mm-hmm. in the Bible, and when he finally confronted his wicked brothers who had deceived him and sold him into slavery, he says to them in in Genesis fifty twenty. You may have intended it for evil, but God intended it for good. Now, here's the next part. For the saving of many lives. Mm. And I think that's why God permits us to go through great affliction, because he wants that affliction for all of us, any of us, to become a platform from which our testimonies can be proved. Mm-hmm. People will look at you and go, mm, wow, she's she's... She's smiling in that wheelchair. She mm-hmm. she's smiling even though her husband left her. She she's smiling even though her uh, uh, she's going for her through her fourth back surgery. I, she's smiling through that. Well, mm-hmm. my goodness, her God must be pretty great to inspire that kind of loyalty. And yes, that's what you want people to think, don't you? Exactly. You want their minds turned not to your suffering or feeling sorry for you. You want their minds turn to the glory of God. And that is only God in us that helps us do that. I'm in the middle of a three-part series on contentment. And I think that when we're not content, that's when we break God's heart. And we have such an opportunity. I'm not an expert in contentment. That's why I can talk about it in reality. But uh, I know that when I'm content in all circumstances, it just lifts up his reputation because people know my circumstances and they're not perfect and I'm not perfect. You wrote in a step further that God's choicest tool to mold our character is suffering. Did you ever wish that he chose a different tool? Oh, sure. <laughs> I mean, I don't wish suffering upon myself. I, of course not. Even though I'm a quadriplegic, now I deal with chronic pain. That's mm-hmm. no fun. How, I wondered about that. Anne told me, my sister-in-law said that you deal with chronic pain. How can you have chronic pain if you're paralyzed? I think that's maybe uh, an ignorant question on my part, but I do Not wonder. at all. I, I, I ask myself the same question. I ask God, <laughs> I ask my my physician, and uh, it's, it's neuropathic pain, basically. Mm-hmm. And part of it is just my very severe scoliosis from sitting in a wheelchair for over five decades, over half a century. You'll end up feeling something. <laughs> and uh, my chronic pain keeps me awake at night, and it's not fun. No one, no one invites suffering into mm-hmm. his life. No. Um, but I, I do believe, as you just said a moment ago, 
it can be God's choicest tool in refining our character. And, it, and the way that happens is just believing, believing in God and his promises that he's not out to harm you. Mm-hmm. He is out to help you. He will never do anything that will harm your soul. Your body might get harmed. Your reputation might get harmed. Um, your family, but your soul will never get harmed mm-hmm. if you would appropriate the grace that God offers you through it. Mm-hmm. So my journey of... Uh, of um, affliction has mainly just been leaning very, very hard into God's promises. Mm-hmm. I just mentioned that I deal with chronic pain. And for me, as of late, Second Corinthians chapter 4, verse 8 has been such an anchor, where, it's, where the Apostle Paul says, um, though we are handicapped on all sides, we're not crushed. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and, and sometimes when I'm lying in bed and the pain is so bad, I feel like I'm being pressed in on all sides. God, I'm going to suffocate. This is so claustrophobic. But then I remember that you assure me I will not be crushed. Mm. I don't quite understand that because I think you're asking of me the impossible, but you think it is possible with your grace and with that promise. So I'm going to believe you rather than my feelings. So Mm. kick in your grace, God, here, because I need you desperately. And I think it's that kind of vulnerability before God when we're in pain, when we're hurting, when we're afflicted, that he delights in. And not too many of us get to that place were it not for suffering pushing us there. So true. Um, you wrote this, we aren't always responsible for our circumstances, but we are responsible for how we respond to those circumstances. That's something I try to teach my children because you know our, <laughs> autom- our default is to blame, to blame their sister, to blame their dad or me or a friend at school or their ex-boyfriend, whatever. It is our default to blame another. I do that as an adult, but we are responsible for our own uh, responses to our afflictions. How were you able to come to view your wheelchair as a joy instead of a burden? Well, I think it's because my response to my suffering was not resentfully resigning myself to it. Okay. You know, sometimes we think we we accept our trials when we resign ourselves to them, Mm. or when we woefully submit to them and yield with an attitude of submerged rebellion. Oh, isn't that a good line? That's a good line. (laughs) Oh, gee, I got to go through this. Okay, I don't want to do this, but God, you think I should do this, so I I guess I'll have to do this. And uh, Now, that's that's not, it's not coping. It's not adjusting. Mm -hmm. It is slowly working your way, because it doesn't happen overnight slowly working your way through the promises of God to the point where you can trust him and say, yes, I embrace you. I'm going to embrace you in this no good, horrible, very bad trial. Mm -hmm. And I'm going to find you in it. Hmm. And I'm going to believe you for it. And uh, it takes faith to do that. Mm -hmm. But it takes perseverance to keep doing it. Mm -hmm. And I think God's looking for followers nowadays who will not just demonstrate a, an ounce of faith, but a pound of perseverance. They, mm-hmm. God wants us to persevere. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think once you persevere over through the long haul, suddenly one day you wake up and you weren't looking for it, but man, are you joyful. Mm-hmm. How did that happen? Uh, when did that miracle occur? Reminds, <laughs> I love that miracle. 
I know every once in a while I look back, I, go, I think I'm a little bit more grown up in that area. And I'm like, and not that I'm going to tick off a little a box here because there's always more room to go, but I'm relieved. I'm more relieved than anything. Like, wow, things yep. are transforming, but not at lightning speed. Um, it reminds me of a quote of John Ortberg where he says, uh, God relentlessly pursues us because all he's ever wanted is to be with us. But I think the converse is true. He wants us relentlessly pursuing him, no matter what's going on in our lives. Yep. I was just reading in Proverbs with my husband the other day. The Lord confides in those who seek him, who search him out. Oh, where's that? And so it's in Proverbs. I'll have to look it up for you. But we just read it two days ago. My husband and I are reading through the Bible in a year. And um, I I read that and I went, Jesus, I want that to be me. Mm. I want to seek you. I want to search you. I, I want to hear your confidences. I want to hear your innermost thoughts you're not sharing with anybody else. Mm-hmm. I want to know what's going on in your heart and head. Yeah. You know, and, and, and God only reveals himself to those who fear him and who seek him diligently. And mm-hmm. I just want to be one of those, no matter how hard it takes. Well, he promises in John 15 that he, don't, he doesn't call us servants anymore because a servant doesn't share everything that he's heard from his father. Only a a friend does. Yeah, that's my goal too. I've been working on memorizing John 15, but it does take me a long time. A lot, a big chapter. A long time. Um, uh, This was the question that came to me this morning. Does your message about suffering change at all while addressing a secular audience as opposed to a church or a Christian conference? Not really. Usually I'll preface it by saying, Okay, you guys, there are a bunch of you out in this audience who are not going to believe, they're not going to agree with me theologically. You don't agree with me. You're perhaps a secularist, maybe a humanist. Perhaps you ascribe to Buddhism. You are entrenched in in secular Judaism. You are a follower follower of of Islam. Right off the bat, I don't pretend that you're going to agree with me, but hear me out. Just hear a perspective of a woman in a wheelchair who's been at it for more than a set, half a century hmm. and what she has found out about the God of the Bible wow. and his promises. Isn't that wonderful? Well, you have to start off that way, don't you? Yeah, of course you do. It's not like you're yeah, trying to cheat them or, or sneak in something that they don't think they're going to hear. That's okay. Absolutely. So I like to clear the air at the very mm-hmm. beginning and everybody kind of goes... Oh, I'm glad she said that. Yeah, yeah. I'm, <laughs> you know, I, have everybody, per, I, have, I have permission not to believe a word she's saying. <laughs> absolutely. They have permission not to believe a single solitary thing I'm saying. And then <laughs> it is my job to uh, persuade them as the Apostle Paul tried to persuade the governor mm-hmm. and uh, to persuade Felix. And, you know, you just want to be, you just want to be persuasive in your words and your demeanor and in the proof text of your, of your life. Right. And how it backs up what you believe. So, um that's, that's pretty much the way I often talk to people who don't believe don't believe in God. So there and you go. How did this last year of the shutdown affect you? Uh, it was challenging for everyone, but how so for you and for your organization? Well, um, it, it, right away, last year, COVID, early part of February of 2020, um, we knew that we were in not just for a little blizzard, uh, which we needed to just hunker down and wait until it you know, blew past. We knew we were entering a little ice age, so to speak. Mm-hmm. So uh, our, our ministry, Johnny and Friends, I hate to use this overused word, but we, we immediately pivoted. Mm-hmm. Uh, we, we threw out the old playbook, as it okay. were, 
And we started looking at our uh, programs and services and um, began to transform, shape, alter them to fit a uh, post-COVID world. Because we, we didn't want to just, you know, slug it through right. COVID. We wanted to thrive during COVID. And so we did. Can you give me uh, one games. example? Well, one example is uh, our Johnny's house. We, are, we did a survey of, of um, um, organizations that serve people with disabilities around the world. And plus we um, cupped our ear to the statistics coming out of the World Health Organization. And we realized that people with disabilities were getting kicked off the lowest rung of the socioeconomic ladder globally. Mm. They were literally starving to death. They didn't need a wheelchair anymore from us. They, they needed medical food. help and food. food yeah. mm -hmm. And so we worked with our international partners with whom we've been laboring alongside for decades. And uh, we started investing in providing practical services, medical help, surgical scholarships, yes, wheelchairs, wheelchair repair, microenterprise, job skills training, respite for families. And uh, so we call these facilities Johnny's House. And uh, hold on one second, let me get my phone. Catherine, get my phone if you would and, uh, and click on my favorites and find that photo of Johnny's house. I'm gonna hold it right up to your camera so you can see this, Sue. I okay. don't know if you're gonna be showing this to your viewers, but they might be interested as well. Anyway, Johnny's house was just one innovative result of COVID and we would never have dreamed to do that hmm. were, it not for, um, were it not for COVID. We thought, God, this is your virus, mm -hmm. not ours. So we're going to do what we can to come up with something creative that will really, really um, demonstrate Christ's love on a, on a rubber beats the road level. Here, let me show you this. This is okay. our house in El Salvador, just right up to the camera lens right there. Um, what, wow. Oh, there you go. Beautiful. Oh, my goodness. That's yeah, that's Johnny's house. Uh -huh. And you can't see the verse above the door, but it says, um, go out into the streets and the alleys, gather in the disabled. I love that. My house is full. Wow. So um, there you I, go. Just, I would call you to see that. That is a silver lining. I keep talking about silver linings for this past year. It hasn't been all bad. There have been some great things as we, as we pivot towards God and he gives us the leading. So that is so encouraging. I want to ask you, do you still struggle with depression and how do you fight it? Well, I haven't struggled with depression for a long time. And I always take a deep breath when I say that and say, God help me, I could probably plummet into depression tomorrow. But for now, I haven't. And I, I think it's because as soon as my emotions start to wander, start to detour down that dark, grim path to depression, and I have been there, mm -hmm. and it is horrid. I never want to go back there. It's so awful. So as soon as I sense my emotions caving in, as soon as I sense my spirit um, becoming brittle or a little dry, as soon as my spirit starts to feel a little dull and deadened, I jump on it. I immediately go to God's promises. I recite them to God. I, I start singing hymns to him in overdrive. Jesus, I am resting, resting. In the joy of what thou art, I am finding out the greatness of thy loving heart. I make myself sing and get my soul tuned 
to God's music mm-hmm. rather than the the dreary, monotonous uh, um, song that, that that leads me down the path to depression. Mm-hmm. The I just, of the I just mm-hmm. yeah, I just. The Puritans had a good phrase. They said, "Sinner, know thyself." Hmm. You know, in other words, know who you are. Really get to like, understand who you are, mm-hmm. what your weaknesses are, where your blind spots are. Ask your friends to point them out to you, and 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 just you know, work with yourself. Mm-hmm. You're 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 a piece of work, and you, you just gotta you gotta watch yourself and and, <laughs> and your emotions, uh, because oh, they certainly great. will drag you down the wrong path quickly. And I, I uh, I just. I just have to say, I, I cannot, I, I cannot abide by that. I cannot, I simply cannot go there. God help me. It's probably why I don't watch television. It's so dulling, numbing to the mind. I used to be a really good Beatles fan and Joni Mitchell fan. I know all the mm. lyrics, all the words, all the songs. I just can't play it. Maybe one or two songs once in a while, but um, I've got to watch what goes into my head. Mm. And um because I, the cosmic stakes are just too high, wow. and depression is too horrible. It's such a practical, practical lesson learned. Uh, you can truthfully say, I know how you feel to many, many people who suffer. Uh, I think that's maybe your legacy, one of the legacies, that you can empathize, not just sh- uh, tell compassion, but actually feel compassion. Compassion, mm. which empathy is the deeper side of compassion. Do you feel that that's part of your legacy? To be able to say to someone in a wheelchair, I know how you feel. Do you think that has made a difference in God's kingdom? That's a good question, Sue. Occasionally I find myself saying that to some disabled people, but you know, everybody's pain is so personal. Mm-hmm. And so I never, never want to presume. I kind of like, I kind of have to feel the person out before I say, I get it. Exactly. I resonate with you. I know what you're going through. Mm-hmm. Um, occasionally I might do that with some quadriplegics, but honestly, 50 years from now, if I'm remembered at all, <laughs> I do not think it will be for books or radio or speaking or even leading a global ministry that serves people with disabilities. I, I will know that I have left a solid legacy if I am remembered for my walk with Jesus Christ, mm. how I honored him. Did I trust him in my afflictions? Were my gifts used to strengthen the kingdom of Christ? I mean, I think those are the things that make for a really great legacy. And I hope I'm remembered for that kind of stuff. I hope we're all remembered for that kind of stuff. Uh, At the end of Johnny, you added a postscript. You said, because life is hard, God has wired it that way. But he is ecstasy beyond compare. And knowing him in the trials is more than worth it. After all, there really are more important things in life than walking, spring 2013. That, to me, was a powerful way to end this book. Do you really feel that way? Yep, there are more important things in life than even using your hands. Mm -hmm. My hands don't work, my feet don't walk. But there are far more fulfilling and soul-satisfying and delightful things um, than playing a game of tennis, you know, skiing Mammoth Mountain, um, jogging on a marathon. I mean, all that stuff is very pleasurable, but nothing goes quite as deep as the satisfaction of, of knowing God intimately. Hmm. And, you know, 
God shares his joy on his terms, and I don't know why, but those terms call for us to suffer in some measure, as did his son Jesus. I, I don't know why that's a qualifier, but it is. So mm-hmm. um, you, you don't, like I said at the beginning, Sue, you would agree, people don't need to break their necks to have that kind of intimacy with Jesus. All they need to do is take what afflictions they have, what trials they have, small as though they may be, and steward them well. Hmm. You know, be miserable well. <laughs> Learn how to be in a hard place well. Well, mm-hmm. You know, right. that, that's, that's the secret, I think. I first read um, in Philippians where it says that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his suffering in college. And I thought, okay, well, I like the first part of that verse, but I really would like to edit that other part out, the fellowship of his suffering. But I have found... Um, I'm 69 now, and I have found that in the fellowship of any kind of suffering, that's where I get to know God like my ultimate prayer was. Way back in my 20s, my prayer was to, that I may know you. And then he said, okay, well, this is part of it, and I know that you have lived your suffering well. And that do you see that as your legacy um, most of all? Well, I, 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 I do. I, I want my legacy to be that I suffered well and that I finished well. Um, I do not pretend to have arrived. Uh, There are still many areas of my life that need to be transformed, need to be changed. Um, I'm still, I'm still in the battle against cancer Mm. and and I've got another scan coming up and you know, that always causes you to go, what's this going to be all about? When's the scan, scan, Johnny, so we can pray for you. Uh, in August, end okay. of August. So yeah, okay. be praying about that. And um, you know, I'm an old quadriplegic. I'm 72 years old this year, so I, 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 I know my time is short, and I just want to get actively engaged in my own becoming like Christ every single day. I just don't want to leave it all up to the Holy Spirit. I want to partner with the Holy Spirit and and be actively engaged with Him mm. in saying no to the old Johnny yesterday. And yes, to the new Johnny God wants to create today. Wow. There's always something fresh and new, always. What's your favorite book that you wrote? Uh, the God I Love. Um, it's a memoir mm-hmm. uh, that I wrote in 2003. And I had such fun writing it, but even more fun living it. Wow. And I passed the manuscript under the nose of all my sisters, my three older sisters. And I said to them, was life really like this? Am I exaggerating? Was it like this? And they said, oh, Johnny, it was exactly like this. And um, so it was my delight to write down my, my memories of my family growing up in a most extraordinary family and how God used that to shape, I think, who I am even to this day. Absolutely. So it's a book for families, I think. Well, we'd love to give a copy away. So if you are listening, would leave a comment in show notes or on Instagram, then you will be entered to win that giveaway. Uh, as we close, tell us a little bit, Johnny, about the kinds of things um, Johnny and Friends organization does to give hope to those who suffer. And if someone wants to get involved, either by giving or giving their time as a volunteer, what could they do? If one of their hearts are really touched today and they want to help out. Well, Two days from now, I'm going to be leaving with my husband to our um, Johnny and Friends family retreat. We will run uh, 63 of these family retreats across the U.S. for special needs families. 
and in developing nations. And we are always in need of volunteers. So just go on our website and look up family retreats uh, under our ministry outreach and, uh, and find out where you can serve, where you can volunteer at a family retreat in your region. Also, we give away wheelchairs overseas uh, and Bibles. We do evangelism among people with disabilities, and we connect them with uh, caring churches in their villages. We do lots of disability ministry training in those villages. So if you have a used wheelchair, but it is still serviceable, uh, we'd like to have it. Because then our, the, the prisoners that we work with in 16 different prisons across the U.S. will shape up and shine up. Isn't uh, those that wonderful? They yeah, must, it is. You must feel excited to be part of that. <laughs> oh, oh. And what's really cool, we send these prisoners, uh, there's 16 different uh, uh, workshops we have in 16 different prisons, and we send them photos and videos of the children who receive oh. the wheelchairs. So that's it's, oh. it's kind of a win-win-win situation. Yeah, I would say I call that a triple win. And I was impressed by watching your Instagram, the stories about respite at home. Tell us about that. Oh, yes. We did a survey during COVID, an impact study to see exactly what the needs are among people with disabilities and their families during covid and uh, by far and away, it was not medical insurance or, you know, financial strain or it was um, isolation and the need for respite. Hmm. You know, families just need respite. It's a 24-7 nonstop day in, day out. Dad comes home from work. He drops his briefcase and immediately starts caring for his son with autism so mom can get a break or at least start dinner. I mean, it's just a... It's never ending. Never ending. And uh, these families need respite. So we hold marriage getaways. We hold what we call warrior getaways for American servicemen and women in, and their families who have uh, suffered conflicts of war. And of course, we, we have family retreats. So we invite you to serve uh, with us or pray with us. We need lots of prayer because uh, if people don't pray, nothing of any eternal good is going to occur. So please pray with us and also give financially. You mentioned that, Sue, and I will invite our listeners to participate with us financially and help us make the kingdom strong where it is weak mm. around the world. So, And how could they find you? On social media or? Yep, social or media at johnnyandfriends.org. You can follow us on Facebook. You can go to my personal Facebook page and, uh, and um, follow me there. And there'll be lots of updates about our ministry. But again, go to johnnyandfriends.org and take time to just look at some of our programs and what we've got going on. Thank you. You have been an absolute delight. And I know you're such an encouragement to my listeners today. Thanks for taking the time, Johnny. My pleasure. My pleasure, Sue. Until next time, think about your legacy, the one God has called you to live, all for heaven's sake. I would love to speak at your next Christian Women's event. See my keynotes and retreat series, as well as the show notes from today's broadcast at welcomeheart.com. Thanks for coming. You're always welcome here.